You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 663 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland, coming to you live on a Wednesday evening. I was supposed to be recording at State Farm Arena this evening, but because of a post-game concert and the associated noise with that, I decided to come home and record in the home studio, so that, that sort of explains that, but I was in the building for this evening's festivities, and a pretty interesting game in a lot of ways. The Hawks ended up falling by a final score of 135-127. to This is their fourth straight loss, and uh, they've, not, they've also now lost, I believe it is, you know, it's 10 out of 12 for sure, so... Just one of those things, uh, and the Hawks, you know, didn't didn't play badly in this game. That's something that should be they should be credited with. It's being competitive. They covered the spread, for instance. This is a game in which obviously there was a it was a big comeback late. If you watch this game, it didn't feel like the Hawks lost by eight in some respects, but they also made it very interesting um, throughout. So, plenty to get to on the podcast. Not not a whole lot of pregame stuff on this final one day. A um, couple of injury things that were upgraded to probable. Both Jabari Parker with the shoulder and Evan Turner with the Achilles were questionable. As I said yesterday, I have a podcast with Jeff Siegel. By the way, if you missed that one, it was a fun talk that I had with Jeff uh, for about an hour. Uh, obviously, a lot of a lot of topics there, but that was a fun one. Um, regardless, though, um, some minutes restrictions that Lloyd Pierce shed some light on before the game on Wednesday that I want to at least reference one time here. Alan Crabs up to 25 minutes maximum. Chandler Parsons is at 15. He's not playing at all, so that's not really a huge impact. But Evan Turner is 15 as well, and um, Turner went all the way up to that line today in this game, and Turner was probably one of the best players on the court for the Hawks in this spot. So having him only have that, that many minutes actually came into play here, which I thought was at least worth pointing out at the top. But um, the one thing the Hawks have not figured out um, by the way they played in this game was the start of the first and third quarters. The first quarter, there was a 7-0 run by Milwaukee right out of the shoot to take a lead. And um, it was 14-3, I believe, uh, 14-4, I should say, as well. The Hawks did um, come back from it, but there were three fouls in the first 50 seconds from the Hawks in this game. Um, a lot of uh, interesting stuff. One note that I wanted to point out, something that's kind of just a crazy statistical thing. The Hawks and the Hawks were actually shooting 100% from the, from the floor in the early going, and they were down by eight points. Uh, you, you don't often see a team shooting perfectly from the field and being down by eight, but with the turnovers that the Hawks had in the early going and Milwaukee just scoring at will, that was uh, the case in this, in this spot. There was a great sequence by, by Jabari Parker that I wanted to point out where he had a steal on Giannis, and uh, that turned into a left-handed dunk. I didn't think Jabari was great in this game by any means, but he did have some competitive moments defensively, and I think he played decent defense against Giannis. It wasn't like it was a great matchup for him or anybody else, as Lloyd Pierce said after the game. You kind of can't stop Giannis. It's just one of those things you have to present him with a challenge, and everybody has that same challenge. And I thought Jabari at least competed for the most part defensively on Giannis in this game. There was an 11-0 run by the Hawks to sort of kick it into high gear finally. Take actually a 15 to 14 lead in the early going. Uh, John Hunter started off well. He had a big game in this in this spot. In fact, Hunter and Reddish uh, combined for 12 of the first 14 points for the Hawks. That was a theme throughout the game. Both, both those guys were very good. We'll, we'll talk more about them later on. Milwaukee didn't score for almost four minutes, which is uh, noteworthy because they scored 135 in this game and they went and they had a four plus minute scoring drought. So, yeah, that speaks for itself in a lot of ways. I thought it was interesting to see Bruno Fernando as the as the first backup center. Alex Len did not play much, and it seemed like he he was kind of targeted around Robin Lopez. Um, 
because I, I, you know, this this is me guessing and reading between the lines a little bit. I don't think that Pierce was uh, enthralled with having Len on the floor um, against Brook Lopez and Giannis. So I think they sort of matched him up with, with Robin a little bit, but that ended up with Alex Len playing the third most minutes at center, which is uh, certainly worth noting in this spot. Uh, the rest of the first quarter was interesting. In fact, Giannis, um, <laughs> we'll talk about him more later later on, but. Um, the reigning MVP did not actually take a, take a shot for the first 10 plus minutes of this game, and he ended up with 33 points. Uh, so, uh, kind of a weird back and forth there as well. It was a 9-0 run by Milwaukee as the Hawks kicked it around a little bit at the end of the first quarter. Um, the Hawks were actually 9 of 24 from the field and 2 of 10 from 3 in the first quarter, but later on, and a lot of this was booed by the second quarter, Wood Pierce said, after the game, and I was a little bit surprised by this, but he thought the first quarter, sorry, the first half of this game was the best half of the season offensively for the Hawks. I'm not sure I agree, but it's certainly an interesting comment, and I think the second quarter was more indicative. And they just they just missed a lot of shots in the first quarter. But that's that, you know, it's pretty high praise from Pierce in some respects on that. The second quarter was. Interesting. They got they got down by nine uh, after a sloppy sequence. Pierce was visibly upset when he called a timeout, and I think he was kind of bothered by Trey Young's defense in that, in that stretch. Um, nothing terrible, but just not great uh, effort stuff there from Trey. Uh, there, after the timeout, though, there was an ATO run from Cam Reddish. He made another three. He opened the game five of six, including three jumpers that he made. The rookie forward started the game ten of twelve from the floor and four of four from three in the first you know quarter and a half or so. That was a big thing, and then it was it was a sixteen to three run by the Hawks to take a four point lead with the Bucks shooting. Only 2 of 12 from 3 in the, in the second quarter. Um, second quarter was just kind of awesome Hawks play. Once they once they called the timeout after the early run, it was all Hawks the rest of the way, and they won the quarter 35-24, and that kind of spoke for itself. In fact, the Hawks knocked down eight threes in the first half. They had 15 assists. Offensively, they just kind of cooked, and a lot of that was, was, the, second, was the second quarter. They just, they just played well uh, overall. And honestly, taking a, a lead into the half – with the way that the game started down by 10 is a pretty big accomplishment in some ways and uh, nice to sort of hang your hat on for this game um, in retrospect. The third quarter, though, as, as I said before, was uh, all, all bucks at the outset. A 17-3 to run by Milwaukee to open the third, take, to take an 11-point lead. Uh, you, you may remember last season the Hawks had a widespread problem for a while in the first half of the season anyway, in the first and third quarters, it's kind of a bit back, honestly. I think it's, it's kind of stunning in some respects because of how good the Hawks have been with Trey Young on the floor versus when he's off the floor. But the last few games now, the starters have been the ones that can't get out of their way. So we'll see how that goes looking ahead. The bench is actually pretty good in this game. But um, first and third quarters to start kind of burnt the Hawks in this spot. And uh, the 17-3 run definitely made a big play. You know, this time around, it was more more explainable because Giannis just kind of took over. He had 12 points in about four and a half minutes. Um, and that's just going to happen sometimes when you're playing against Giannis. They actually took out Hunter early on in the third quarter when he got his third foul. They went to the full bench unit with about five minutes into the, sec- into the second half. And uh, to their credit, the bench unit led a charge. There was a 10-0 run from the bench, um, including five in a row by Evan Turner. That was There were clutch points. There was a big sequence at the end of the third quarter that I definitely wanted to point out that was uh, controversial, to be sure. With 24 seconds to go, to go on the clock, Trey Young um, seemingly was fouled on a three-point shot attempt. There was no call. Uh, Lloyd Pierce got a, technical, got a technical foul right away, as did Trey Young, so that they were assessed two technical fouls in a row. Uh, LP certainly earned his with the, with the reaction that he had. He was incensed. After that play, and I think that was just more of a build-up to for the rest of the game. The Hawks were not thrilled with the officiating. I don't, I don't think in this spot, but that particular play was big because if if the call goes Atlanta's way originally and Trey goes to the line for three shots, the Hawks are down nine at that point, late in the third. If he goes to the line for three, he's either going to make two or three most of the time, and suddenly you're down six or seven points as you go to the fourth quarter. But 
after that happened, you give up two free throws for technical fouls, and Milwaukee then scores. And by the end of the period, you're down by 13. So that was probably a six, seven point swing, I would imagine, something like that with the change of possession, et cetera. So a pretty brutal stretch there. It didn't cost them the game necessarily, but it was a bad a bad timing to have the two technical fouls, and it was a big momentum swing in the game. Uh, in the fourth, it was uh, <laughs> definitely a lot of points. Uh, by the way, just for the record, this game was two and a half hours. It was two hours and 32 minutes of actual game time. It got a late start, but a 7.30 tip-off did not end till almost 10.20 in regulation. The fourth quarter was absolutely never-ending between all of the runs and the timeouts and the fouls. Also, the fourth quarter was 44-39 in favor of the Hawks. So, a lot of fireworks in the fourth. Uh, in the early going, it was Trey Young scoring six straight points for the Hawks to kind of keep the Hawks within striking distance. They couldn't get stops, though. And honestly, it felt like that was going to be a story of the night at that point in time, which is that the Hawks were going to lose by probably like 20 because they couldn't get stops. But they came... They did come on, obviously. Um, there were back-to-back threes from the Bucks to go up by 18 with about nine and a half minutes to go. It felt over at that point in time, but it wasn't, um, which is another big credit to the Hawks. A 9-2 to run after the timeout without trading on the court to get back within 11. The Bucks did answer, and it seemed like there was a dagger three from Eric Bledsoe with about six minutes to go. He actually was fantastic early in the fourth quarter, um, kind of keeping Milwaukee afloat offensively. Um, they were down by, you know, I believe it was 18 at that point at that point in time again. It felt like the game was absolutely over, but a huge flurry from the Hawks from there. Uh, a 13 to one run in 92 seconds for the Hawks. That's um, not a misprint. 13 one in 92 seconds back within seven points. Milwaukee kicked it, kicked it around quite a bit. When the Hawks started trapping and playing up tempo, um, Giannis was off the court at that point in time. I, I don't think Bud wanted to bring him back in because they were trying to just wrap this thing up without him and give him some more rest. But uh, at the at the end of the day, after that massive run, they had to bring Giannis back, and out of out of a timeout, he found Sterling Brown for a three that probably ended the game realistically, putting the Bucks up by ten. The Hawks did, did get it back to seven under a minute to go. It could have been six, but a missed free throw by Trey Young. But still, they were underdogs the entire way. Um, and just, you know, they kind of just held them off. There's not a big three from George Hill in the last 90 seconds to kind of hold them off. But again, you know, the 13-1 run was wild to see. You know, they, they all got some help from Milwaukee for sure. They turned the ball over more than they should have in that run. But the Hawks' trapping defense definitely just worked out. And that's what you want to see happen. You want to go into a scramble situation. And it worked out very well for them. So, you know, credit to the Hawks for coming back. 44 in the fourth quarter. Um, defensively, they gave up 39. But still... Um, making a huge run, getting back to make this a single-digit game is uh, admirable, and they had a chance to win after it felt like they absolutely did not. So there you go. Um, big picture stuff again. This is the fourth loss in a row for the Hawks: seven out of eight, and ten out of ten out of twelve after the 10, after the two-zero start. That's kind of brutal. Um, schedule is obviously a big factor there, as well as the the injuries and the absences to John Collins, etc. But uh, yeah, just a lot of perfect storm stuff right now for have the Hawks losing in the way that they have been recently. But in this game, offensively, they were pretty good. Uh, honestly, borderline very good for most of the game. They had a 114 offensive rating. That is very good. That's enough to win and sort of elite level over full over full game. Um, shot the ball well from three, 14 of 31 from three. They limited turnovers, only 13. That's pretty good for the Hawks. 27 assists. They just made a lot of shots and made a lot of plays. Got to the line 31 times, made 25 of them. Uh, just did a lot of things well offensively in this game against a quality defense. You know, Milwaukee on the road didn't play great defensively in this game, but the Hawks, you know, they were not a pushover by any means. 
And if anything, you would expect the Hawks to do worse against Milwaukee than they would against a normal team. But, uh, you know, credit to Atlanta's offense for playing very well on the whole in this game. Uh, defensively, it was definitely not as good. Uh, you know, Milwaukee's offense is also very good, and Giannis is excellent. In fact, in the 30 minutes that Giannis played, they were plus 17, and that's kind of the difference in the game. Uh, he was fantastic. Brooke Lopez as well was also plus 17. Um, but, yeah, just a lot of uh, lot of blood on Giannis that were kind of sinking the Hawks in this spot. Without Chris, without without Chris Middleton, but he won twenty one point six defensive rating. That's very very bad, of course. Milwaukee shot fifty three percent from the floor and forty percent from three in the game. They had nineteen turnovers. That's and by the way, credit to the Hawks. We scored twenty five points off of the the turnovers from Milwaukee to keep themselves afloat. A lot of those were in the fourth quarter, but um, just shot making wise, the Bucks just made a lot of shots and they were not necessarily all guarded particularly well. So, you know. Not a not a big surprise the Hawks had some trouble getting stopped in this game, but they absolutely did, and that and ended up leading to a lot of the issues uh, on this night. Obviously, there were good individual performances though. We'll get to a lot of those in a second, but before we get to those and everything else from the rest of the podcast, I want to talk to you about the good folks at my bookie. During Thanksgiving week, MyBookie is offering a risk-free bet on the Bears-Lions game. Simply choose a team against the spread for up to $250. If you win, congratulations. you got extra holiday spending money. If you lose, though, congratulations to you as well. Because MyBookie will be giving all of your money back. It's a no-brainer because you literally can't lose. It's no risk, all gravy. It doesn't matter whether you're an experienced player or a first-time customer, MyBookie welcomes all to come and play. So quit waiting around and sign up today. Do you find yourself wanting to sports bet but have lots of questions? Don't sweat it. MyBookie's patient customer service team can walk you through the process. And the best part is, if you join this this Thanksgiving week, you'll have one last shot. Take advantage of their incredible sign-up offer. Log on to MyBookie.ag and make your first deposit with promo code LOCKEDONMBA. From there, MyBookie will match your first deposit dollar for dollar to jumpstart your bankroll, and that's on top of the risk-free bet that we just discussed. So, one more time. That's a guaranteed deposit match and a risk-free bet for Thanksgiving only. So, if you're a true football fan, you want to let this opportunity pass you by. So, you simply cannot lose And uh, with MyBookie. Make sure... You do your part to support your team and also get in on the action this season. Hop on the gravy train, get in on the action with my bookie using promo code Locked On NBA. Last time, it's promo code Locked On NBA. You play, you win, and you get paid. All right, and we talk about the individual players in this spot. Lots of interesting nuance to discuss. Up and down the roster, a couple guys that did not play at all in this game, Chandler Parsons and Ty Wallace. Neither one of those are huge surprises. The Hawks went with with 11 guys in this spot. And really only played about 10.5 guys. We'll get to that in a second. But uh, Parsons, after the quick time that he played on Sunday against the DMP, and then Wallace with Evan Turner back, it's going to probably cost him some minutes, obviously. And we saw that in this spot. Uh, Alex Lynn played nine minutes. There There was the least amount on the team. That's a mild surprise because... As I said yesterday on the podcast, I think that Alex Lynn's the best center on the team, um, sort of in a bubble. I do understand, though, this is not a great matchup for Alex Lynn by any means because Milwaukee, Milwaukee spreads you out. They don't love having Lynn that far away from the basket with Brooke Lopez bombing away threes. And um, they did have a center guarding Giannis at times in this game, but that's not exactly going to be Alex Lynn's strength. So a bad matchup. He didn't play all that well either when he was on the court. And that's something to uh, sort of point out here. But no points, three, three rebounds, and assist in nine minutes. He didn't make any... Uh, yeah, obviously misses a only three point uh, three point shot, missed a couple of times around the rim, and just not a uh, good game at all for Lynn. But didn't play a ton, and it's again a bad matchup for him. Uh, Bruno Fernando got these primary backup center minutes for the most part, thirteen minutes, four points, three assists, five rebounds. He was active, and I thought better than he has been in this game. So credit to Bruno for that. A better matchup for him. He could just kind of use his athleticism and his force for the most part. He still gets lost. Um, 
too often, to be sure. But uh, some nice moments from Bruno in this game, all things considered. Uh, DeAndre Membry was very quiet statistically in this game. Only two shot attempts that have two points, three rebounds, two assists, two steals, and two block shots. Lloyd Pierce said after the game that Bembry doesn't necessarily always show up in the stat sheet, but he was uh, complimentary of the way that he played in the spot. I would agree with that. He made some things happen in a good way um, throughout the contest. Vince Carter was not shy. He took 13 shots in 24 minutes, made five of them, made three threes. Uh, wasn't terribly efficient, but still 13 points for Vince, two assists, and just having his shooting on the court really helped. Lloyd Pierce also said after the game that um, one of the big reasons that Vince is helpful to this team is his defensive communication. Uh, he, w- he was tasked with guarding Giannis quite a bit in this game, which is a challenge for him, obviously, uh, physically, because Vince is not, that, not, not necessarily that guy at this point in time, but Pierce was talking about the fact that he just gets everyone where they need to be and just kind of is that leader on the court. It's not it's not a small thing. I think it could probably be underrated a little bit by outsiders, just how much that matters to have that sort of captain-like instinct on the on the floor uh, and just pushing guys in the right spots and operating the defense, calling out stuff, etc. And they uh, definitely were happy to see Vince back by all counts. Evan Turner, 15 minutes, uh, plus 13 in those 15 minutes. It was not all him, but he played well. 7.3 assists, 2 rebounds. And uh, good to see Turner play well. He, was, he also played well on the road trip, honestly. Good to see him back in the lineup and um, contributing in a positive way um, off the bench. And then finally, Alan Crabb, 10 points, 2 rebounds, and assist. Made both of his, uh, sorry, made two of his four three-point attempts. Got to the line five times. Crabb, just like Vince, just, it's, it's just nice to have a couple of shooters, floor spacers on, on the court. The offense... From the second unit, it's sort of night and day now than what it was even a couple of weeks ago when you have a couple of actual shooters with Vince and Crab and an actual playmaker from Evan Turner. I'm not the biggest um, Turner proponent offensively, but he does make plays. He does know what he's doing offensively, That's, and there's just sort, of, just sort of a nice baseline for that when those guys are on the court together and the bench actually played pretty well in this game. To the starters, Damian Jones had a sort of weird up and down game, 8.8 rebounds for Damian 20 minutes. I thought he was okay for the most part. He's got a rebound. Pierce Pierce pointed that out after the game. It wasn't like he didn't rebound in this game. He definitely did for the most part. He had three three offensive rebounds, but something the good friend of the program, Tower Jones, has been saying, and I agree with, is just the fact that with Damian on the court, the Hawks are having a hard time grabbing rebounds, and uh, that's the one thing that Alex Lynn you know, it's probably more than one thing, but Alex Lynn definitely is a better rebounder than Damian Jones is, and uh, the Hawks have been bit by the by the glass. And Pierce went out of his way to say that they just need Damian to rebound, and he did that okay in this game, but not not necessarily fantastically. Uh, Cam Reddish had the best game of his career offensively, pretty clearly here. 17 points on six of ten shooting, three of three from three from Cam. Had an assist and a steal. Did have four turnovers, including two in the early going. But once he settled in, it was clear he was he was more comfortable. The jump shot went in. It was always going to happen. Like it wasn't like Cam was going to shoot as bad as he had been shooting, as I've said numerous times in the last couple of days and weeks. Um, he was due for one of these, and he did and he did it. It, it looked good. He looked like, like he was like he was confident. Made, made a nice floater along the way as well. Um, there'll be highs and lows throughout the season, but it was good to see Cam sort of break out in a little bit offensively here. Um, and honestly, he we probably just discussed more if not for his cohort. Um, in, in terms of being a fellow rookie, and that's DeAndre Hunter. Hunter had a career-high 27 points and 11 rebounds. The only guy on the team with double-digit rebounds. He was flying around. He was fantastic in this game. He was 8 of 12 from the floor, 3 of 3 from 3, and 8 of 9 from the free-throw line. So super hyper-efficient. Um, and, you know, 27-11 speaks for itself in 29 minutes. Um, this is not like, this is not what Hunter is, I don't think. Just the super productive guy in terms of uh, points and rebounds. But he had it going with a jump shot. He had it going around the rim. He got to the line. He was aggressive. This is the best of DeAndre Hunter so far this season, and that's uh, pretty very. It's pretty encouraging. Obviously, defensively, there were some issues for everybody. Um, that does not 
that, that, that does not exclude Hunter and Reddish, who have both been pretty good defensively this year, but were not great necessarily in this game. Still, Hunter's offense was uh, fantastic, and you can't ask for more than that from him. 27-11 is, is sort of a high watermark for DeAndre, and uh, he should enjoy this one, even with the... Um, even with a loss, lots to take away in a positive way from Hunter and Reddish in the spot. Um, Jamari Parker, against his former team, had 14 points, 3 rebounds, 3 assists, and 2 steals in 27 minutes. I mentioned before, he played good defense for the most part on Giannis. Obviously, he's not going to be able to do too much against the stop Giannis, but he did uh, give a good competitive effort. And honestly, it's probably better for Jabari to have that one-on-one matchup and have to play off the ball because off the ball he gets lost and falls asleep, etc. And at least in this game he was dialed in. He fouled out, but uh, I thought Jabari was okay for the most part. Didn't rebound a ton, but other than that, um, pretty pretty positive performance from Jabari. And then finally, Trey Young was not great by Trey Young standards. By the way, uh, in this game, 25 points, uh, still 25 points, uh, which is kind of funny. When I'm just, I just say he didn't play well, I don't think he played well, but still 20, 25 and eight assists, three steals. Only one turnover. You know, he just wasn't. He just wasn't efficient. And offensively, you know, he, even after the game, he was talking about how he had to play better, get the team in, into sets, etc. He seemed frustrated with himself, which is okay. I mean, it wasn't like he was terrible by any means. He still he still produced, but the team was minus twenty one when he was on when he was on the court. That's not all him by any stretch of the imagination. He's still the guy who's the focal point of the offense, but he wasn't clicking in the same way that he has at times this season. Just didn't really have one of those big runs. Did have one stretch where he had six points in a row early in the fourth quarter, but other than that, um, kind of spread it out a little bit, wasn't terribly efficient, and uh, there you go on that. But, you know, if, if this is a bad game for Trey, I think you're probably in good shape um, in general. So, um, again, last thing here, but all, t- all told, it, it's a loss for the Hawks, but there was plenty of positive to stuff to take away from this game. That's be, that, That'd be where I want to end it, I think, on this podcast, just the fact that, you know, if you're going to lose a game, it's not – you know, moral victories are not really a thing in the NBA for the most part, but um, in this spot, it's a really tough matchup for the Hawks and really anyone, but especially for the Hawks. I know you're at home, but you you cover, you play well, big comeback. The, t- the, the two rookie forwards really break out offensively. You can't really ask for much more than that. I know it would have been nice to win, of course, and if they got a little bit, a little bit more help with a couple of 50-50 balls and maybe a whistle or two <laughs> along the way in the second half, they might have won this game. But the fact that they were competitive for all 48, is a, is a pretty good sign for Milwaukee. Um, uh, sorry, against Milwaukee. Um, looking ahead a little bit here, the Hawks go on the road to Detroit on Friday. That's a winnable game. The Hawks, of course, went up there once already this season. They will go up there one more time now. Detroit is really struggling at the moment. Um, so that's certainly a winnable spot, I will say. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see what the point spread and all that stuff is. I think the Hawks are still going to be underdogs in that game on the road, but it'll be closer than it has been for a while because the schedule has been so unkind. For a long time now. Um, and speaking of that, <laughs> once they go to, to to Detroit on Friday, they have to come right back home for a Saturday back-to-back against Toronto. And Toronto is, um, you know, not necessarily loaded right now in terms of talent, but Toronto is playing quite well. Um, in fact, the, the Raptors got another win tonight against against Orlando. They are now ten and four on the season. Um, on the bright side, they're only four and four on the road. So. Maybe they get a little bit vulnerable in that game, and the Hawks can, get, can steal a win. But yeah, the sledding is a little bit a little bit easier over the weekend on the Friday Saturday back to back, but it's still back to back with travel and uh, a lot of interesting factors there to uh, go in with. But yeah, at the end of the day, Hawks have lost four in a row, ten out of twelve. That's not great, but uh, you know all the circumstances that we talked about on yesterday's podcast and this podcast as well. You know, don't get down. I would say, if would be my advice to Hawks fans, a lot of encouraging signs, particularly from the young guys tonight. And that's what you want to take away from a game like this. So, with that said, please subscribe to the podcast. Please tell a friend about the podcast, and we will see everybody after the game on Friday.